This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit healthcare sharing ministry that allows you to control and manage your own healthcare and choose any doctor or hospital in the nation. If you're a freedom-loving American looking for contract-free healthcare, call now, 855-585-4237, or go to libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT for more information, libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. This is Janet Mefford today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the word of God says it, I believe it. And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. It is finally here. Today is Election Day, and few of us can think of a more momentous election in our lifetimes. Gone are the days when both major parties agreed fully on American principles and ideals, but merely disagreed on how to best run America. Now, as I have said before in quoting Whitaker Chambers, what we're really facing is a growing war between freedom and communism, liberty or tyranny. I'm so grateful for those faithful Christian pastors and leaders who are standing firmly on the side of freedom and biblically denouncing the growing support for socialism, a.k.a. communism, in this country. But at the same time, I believe one of the biggest church scandals that may come out of this period in American history will be the number of professing evangelical pastors and leaders who are not fighting for our freedom and are not upholding their biblical duty to fight tyranny in this nation. So I want to get some important perspective today from Dan Fisher. He is co-pastor at Fairview Baptist Church. Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. Dan served two terms in the Oklahoma House of Representatives and is president of Bringing Back the Black Robed Regiment, a ministry that describes a time when pastors put their theology and their minds into action. Those brave men who were credited with changing the course of American history during the Revolutionary War. Dan, it's wonderful to have you back. How, are, how have you been? And it's great to have you with us once more. Janet, I am doing well. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be with you again. Oh, well, good day to have you because you are a pastor. As people know, you've been a politician. What are your thoughts on the direction of this country on today of all days? Oh, my goodness, Janet. I think you said it quite well in your opening when you said that I don't think there's ever been a time when we've been as divided on principle You know, there was a day when I was younger. I'm 61, so I've been around for a little while. There was a day when you had party differences back and forth, and it was Democrat, Republican this, Republican this, and Democrat that. But today, the principles are so left and right. I I tell people it is no longer a choice between Democrat or Republican. It's a choice between light and dark. Mm. I mean, it's just right and wrong. Uh, It is is so incredibly... um, Oh, I, I don't know, discouraging to see the country so divided. And yet, I think it was inevitable when the church pulled back and stopped interjecting assault and light. I mean, you know, the results are pretty much uh, unavoidable, and that's where we are. And so today is critical for those who are liberty-loving Americans who love our founding and the Constitution as it was originally intended 
to get out and vote. Don't let the press discourage you. Don't let the blown up polls uh, that I believe mostly are a lie discourage you. Get out there and vote for principle. Exactly. It's so important. And obviously we can't and we never do endorse any particular candidates on the show. But right. what, what do you think is at stake when you are comparing this period in American history to that period of history that you know so well from your work on educating people on the Black Robed Regiment? How do our two eras compare, would you say? Well, I think that they are very, very similar, because what we're looking at here is a choice between individual liberty, small government, or the loss of individual liberty and large central government. I mean, the choices are incredibly clear. Uh, It shouldn't be very difficult for one to be able to tell the difference from one side to the other. And so I think what we're facing here today is whether or not we're going to be America as founded or whether we're going to go far left, and you said it right, it's not just socialist, it's Marxist, and we're just going to jettison everything that has made us the great culture that we've been for over 200 years. And I know that sounds incredibly dramatic and almost like I'm overstating it, but I don't believe it. If if you listen to the left and and what they say about what they're going to do if they get power. It it is everything antithetical to what we were founded to be. So I think the times are very similar to what uh, Americans were facing in the 1770s. What was the difference, would you say, though, because those were men whom you've you know described in great detail before when we've talked about this. These were men who were not ashamed to use what they knew about yeah. Scripture to fight for their nation. These days, what we're hearing from a lot of quarters in evangelicalism is, you know, you got to keep politics and the gospel separate. What, what is your reaction to that? Well, first of all, I completely disagree with that position. I think the difference, Janet, is that We have allowed the myth, or that's just a nice way of saying lie, of separation of church and state to just permeate uh, the Christian mindset, number one. Uh, Number two, uh, we, we have allowed the church growth movement to so indoctrinate pastors to become convinced that their job is to approach the church uh, as a CEO to grow the company even though Jesus said, this is my church and I will build my church. The job of a pastor is not to build the church. The job of the pastor is to shepherd and lead the church. I think those two things probably uh, uh, are the preeminent reasons why pastors either won't speak out because they're afraid of the controversy and the um, uh, criticism they're going to receive, or they've just bought into this whole lie that uh, they're not, you, you can have a secular life and a spiritual life, and the two don't mix, which is ludicrous. It's not even biblical. But you have some giants in the Christian church today, guys like John Piper and others who are saying this. Yep. That's right. And and yeah. it's not helping. It's not helping no. at all. It's bringing more division in the body of Christ than ever before. Yeah. Well, you know, one of, the, one of the pastors who's been the most outspoken uh, in years past, about Romans 13 required uh, unlimited submission to government, no matter what they do. As Christians, you've got to submit. That's what Paul meant. Uh, has been John MacArthur. Yes. But of late, as I'm sure you've been talking, uh, he has apparently seen the light, if not felt the heat. Yeah. And he now realizes that there must be a limit 
to how much you submit to government, and he's facing tyranny out there in California. And so finally, John is stepping up and saying, no, the church will not submit. Uh, I've recently written on this, in, in you know, the, the whole issue of Romans 13 in a book entitled Unlimited Submission, yes. question mark. And I, I deal with this because pastors have just bought into this, and, and they're wrong, and, and now we're paying the terrible price. Well, exactly, and I want to get into more about what you've said about Romans 13, because this is critically important. But clear up for us for a moment what the fundamental misunderstanding many Americans have today is about separation of church and state and the submission issue, because we, the people, run this country. We're not a monarchy. Yeah. We don't have a king to no. bow to. It's not the same as it was in, in Rome, it was not the same setup that we have today. So isn't it the case that really when we talk about submitting, we submit to our Constitution, do we not? Well, exactly right. And, you know, when, when, you, when you read the preamble to the Constitution, as you well know, it begins with we the people. Right. And then if you read the Declaration of Independence, it's all about individual liberty and government of the people, that we, government, you know, gets its power from the consent of the governed. Very different from the Roman tyranny that Paul and the other apostles were living under in the first century. So we're a representative republic, and inherent in a republic is that the people stay engaged. If they do not, then a republic typically devolves very quickly into some type of oligarchy. And then, of course, the lights go out and, and you live uh, in decades of political uh, darkness where liberties are, are ripped from us. And so uh, the whole idea of comparing what Paul and the apostles were dealing with with where we are in America is not even like apples and oranges. It's like uh, monkey wrenches and oranges. I mean, it, it, it's not even in the same category. Yeah, you're right about that. And I'll tell you what, when you were mentioning what's been going on now in California and other places around the country, it could well be that in the providence of God, the pandemic has served a good purpose in that it has woken up a lot of churches across the nation. I would argue I wish it were a lot more. But I want to get into that when we come back from this break. Pastor Dan Fisher with us on this election day. We'll be back on Janet for today after this. Every day we make choices. But when a young woman with an unplanned pregnancy has to choose between the life or death of her baby, this will be one of the biggest choices she will ever make. This young mom came to a preborn center under pressure to terminate the life of her 22-week-old baby and was offered choices. When I first started talking with Carolyn, she was helping me decide what I can do, like giving me options, that there's just not abortion. After meeting her baby on ultrasound and receiving the love and support she needed at a preborn center, this mom had a heart change. Right here, you can see this is the outline of her face. Her hand is right here, her arm and her leg. I was so shocked. I was really happy. I couldn't believe that I have a little child in me. Preborn is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in America, introducing moms to their preborn babies. For $140, you can help rescue five babies' lives. And now through a match, your gift will be doubled. To donate, call 855-402-BABY, 855-402-2229. 
Are you in need of a healthcare program? You're in luck. As a member of Liberty HealthShare, you're part of a community that comes together to share their medical expenses. You can sign up throughout the year with memberships starting as early as the following month. And there are no contracts or commitments. Programs start as low as $349 per month. And there's no network, so you can choose your own doctors and hospitals. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit ministry, not insurance. So your money goes toward helping other members with their eligible medical expenses. And in your time of need, other members are there for you, too. You can feel good knowing you're part of a community of like-minded individuals who understand the importance of people coming together to bear one another's burdens. Find out more at libertyhealthshare.org jmt. That's libertyhealthshare.org jmt. Or call now, 855-565-2561, 855 855- Five six five twenty five sixty one. You're listening to Janet Mefford today, and now here's Janet. Welcome back on this election day. Great to have you here, and great to have with us Dan Fisher, co-pastor at Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. He is also president of Bringing Back the Black Robed Regiment, and I almost cry when I just say that uh, sentence, Dan, because I want yeah. that so badly. I want to talk though a little bit when you were mentioning Romans thirteen, and I want to get into that in a little bit more detail. You've got a, a book coming out or out right now, Unlimited Submission, on this misapplication of Romans thirteen and the idea that we have to submit no matter what to governing authority. Authorities. The pandemic has brought out, I think, in some respects, the best and the worst of Christianity. And by the best, I say it has awakened those Christians who may have said prior to the pandemic, well, you know, we just want to be good citizens and get along. And then all of a sudden realize, wait a minute, they're not letting me open my church after months. And this isn't an emergency anymore. And the science doesn't back it up. And meanwhile, the abortion clinic can continue to slaughter children. And I have to sit here. I got to stand up and do something about this. And on the other extreme, we have pastors who say, yeah, I think I'll just keep my church closed for the rest of the year. What do you make of that disparity? I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, first of all, I think the key is when many of these governors and mayors refuse to recognize the church as an essential service. Yes. I mean, that speaks volumes, because what it does is it it, it really shows us who they're targeting. They are targeting the church primarily, because they really don't think that the church is an essential service. And, And kind of parroting Marx, it's just kind of the opiate of the people. And, you know, we could really do without the church. And like Chris Cuomo says, you know, Christians just need to shut up, be quiet, leave everything alone, we'll take care of things. Yeah, uh, how well has that worked out in, in, pa- in the past? Yeah. So, yeah, you know, the, 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 the whole COVID-19 thing has been overblown, I'm convinced. My son is a physician. I know a lot of medical experts, and of course, you know, all of the country experts have been telling us this is not what we're being told it is. Yes, it's real. It, it is a virus. There's no question. But it is not uh, what we're being told. And I just think that tyrants have done what they always do. They've taken advantage of any crisis. As Rahm Emanuel said, don't ever allow a crisis to go to waste. They haven't, especially in blue states where they can get away with it. And so, yeah, it has kind of uh, been a wake-up call to the church. And, and my prayer is that it will have lasting effect and not just be one of these little blips on the radar. Yeah. Well, I always wonder as well what it will take to wake Christians up, because sometimes I've seen this over, well, how will I say it? 
Christians who say whatever the government asks of me, let's just go along with it. And I thought, how far would the government have to push you for you to fight back? What do you think? What, what's your sense of that, Dan? Well, um, I don't know whether these people actually theologically really believe what they're saying. Because if you, if you look, for instance, at the, the, the passage of choice that these people use, which is Romans 13, verses 1 through about 5, that's their passage of choice. There are other similar ones, but that's it. If you look at it, when Paul wrote that in about 56 or 57 A.D., uh, Nero had not even become the tyrant that we remember him as being. That wouldn't happen until around 64 A.D. So when they say, well, Paul was telling Christians to submit to a tyrant, actually he wasn't. Nero was kind of being pretty fair and trying to coexist with this new sect uh, called uh, Christianity when Paul wrote Romans. Yeah. But, but even if you, if you drop that, in, in Romans 13, when Paul defines the kind of government that we're supposed to submit to, it's simply one that rewards the doers of good and punishes the doers of evil. Yes. But, but when it flips itself, and it does the opposite, uh, we don't have time on your program here, but I have quote after quote after quote from a lot of the preachers in the 18th century who said when government does the opposite of what Paul says it's supposed to do, it's not only not rebellion, it's their responsibility as Christians to stand up against tyranny. Good, that's right. But, but we're just not hearing that today, Janet, and that's the terrible tragedy of this whole thing. And while it is, you think of somebody like Corey Ten Boom, you know, author yeah. of The Hiding Place, and she and her sister and her father were hiding well, Jews course. because the Nazis were coming for them, and that was absolutely the right moral thing to do. It would seem that some of today's American evangelical leaders would have said, Corey, Romans 13. Yeah. I mean, that would, <laughs> it sounds absurd if you tried to apply it to her. Well, what about the Hebrew midwives? Yeah. Uh, what about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? I often call them the asbestos boys. They wouldn't bow, <laughs> bend, or burn. That's good. You know, you know what, what about Daniel? I mean, what about the apostles in the early church and the early Christians? I mean, in every instance, God honored and applauded what those people did when they stood up against tyranny. Amen. What about Martin Luther King and his followers standing up against the Jim Crow laws and the segregation laws in the 50s and 60s? I mean, we applaud that today. And then all of a sudden, we take this one passage out of context. And Janet, you know, the Bible in many other places talks about submission, wives submitting to husbands, uh, children submitting to parents, congregations submitting to spiritual leaders. But oddly enough, these very same pastors don't interpret that as unlimited. It's only Romans 13. Hmm. That's unlimited submission. Yeah, excellent point. And, and I mean, when we're looking at what a black-robed regiment this year would look like in terms of what pastors who would have the same spirit as those during the Revolutionary War, what sorts of things do pastors need to be about in this moment, especially if things continue to go downhill? Well, the first thing that we have to do, Janet, is we all have to recognize that government is not the solution. Okay, so, yes. so I'm not suggesting that government is our savior. At the same time, God created three institutions so that we can have a civil society. That's the home, the state, and the church. Every one of those is equally spiritual. It's just as godly, it's just as biblical to preach on the godly, biblical principles of governance as it is to preach on the family or the church. Yeah. So 
So first of all, pastors have to understand that this is an institution of God. The Bible is filled with teaching on government. In fact, if you look at the Declaration of Independence, there are actual sentences that Thomas Jefferson, I wouldn't say that he plagiarized, but he lifted out of pastor's sermons of that era and put almost directly verbatim into the Declaration of Independence. Mm. So those guys, they understood something that we don't get. The second thing is, is we're called to be salt and light, and you can't do that if you divorce yourself from the culture and retreat into your church. True. You know, John Witherspoon was a Presbyterian. He was on the Continental Congress. He helped to, to pass the Declaration, and he was also the president of what became Princeton later on. He said there's not a single instance in history where civil liberty was lost and we retained religious liberty. Hmm. And somehow we have to understand that those liberties are connected, and you can't give up civil liberty and then think you're going to be safe in your church. They will not stop at the doorstep of the church. They want to silence the church. And what's going on with Gavin Newsom in California right now is a glaring example of that. Yeah, it is. It is. And you know what strikes me is now one of the lines that keeps going around as a talking point among some of these woke evangelical leaders is, you know, Jesus called you to give up your rights. And so you're not supposed to fight for your rights. And I'm thinking to myself, what what exactly was Paul doing in Acts 22 when he was citing his Roman citizenry? I mean, it's not even good exegesis. It's leftist politics with a little religion thrown in that's not even faithful to the Bible. And I fear for those Christians or young Christians or churchgoers who aren't even saved, hearing this kind of talk and going, yeah, that would be wrong for us to fight for our rights. Think of what we lose as a nation if we buy into that nonsense. Well, that's exactly right. What would we have lost through history had we believed in that? What if we had not stormed the beaches of Normandy? Right. Uh, what if we had not fought the War of Independence? Well, I mean, all of these things, it, it's, it's utterly ludicrous to, to jump the fences theologically. Yes, Jesus says that we're, surre- we're to surrender our rights when it comes to his sovereignty in our lives. Secondly, we're to put others in front of ourselves. And so, in a sense, we surrender our rights. But when it comes to people overriding rights and becoming tyr- tyrannous, and, and bloodthirsty and ruthless, which is where we're headed. If we don't turn around, there is a moment. You know, there's a passage in Luke 22 where Jesus told the disciples that if they didn't have a sword, to go buy one. Yes. Now, I have to be very careful with that passage, and I don't want to read into it what isn't there. But why would he have said that to them if their job was just to preach and then roll over and play dead? True. Yep, it's a valid question. The other thing, yeah. the, and the other thing that strikes me, Dan, is we remember what it was like uh, under the last president, who was really all about, you know, cracking down on religious freedom in many respects, and especially yeah. with the LGBT agenda. And there was a lot of surprise, I think, on the part of Christians saying, "Why are Christians under fire the way they are?" Well, it seems to me what we need to emphasize, in addition to what we've been talking about, is. Christianity and American ideals, you almost can't separate them because we are a nation that's built upon the foundation of the Bible. Of course, there would be a clash with Christianity in a unique way if you are trying to get rid of America as it's been handed down to us. Well, it's exactly right. And, and if you look at where our governing principles came from, I mean, they came from, from legal minds like uh, Blackstone and um, uh, it, numerous others who, who understood 
exactly that ultimately our rights come from God. They They understood that. We have lost that, Janet, and there's no way that you can have a civil society if you divorce it from biblical principle. History is proof of it. I I don't know why folks simply cannot get that. Even Locke, uh, one of the ones that, you know, people quote from today and say, oh, well, he was a total humanist and all that. Locke himself admits that God is the ultimate lawgiver. And when he talks about the laws of nature and nature is God, in his own writings, he admits that he's ultimately referring to God. Yes, yes. See, that's a key point. That's why people need to understand all of this at the level that you do. And I want to refer people over to your website, Dan. It's Dan Fisher, BRR for Black Robed Regiment.com. That's Dan Fisher, BRR.com. Dan, so grateful for your ministry and for your stand on the Word of God. God bless you and thanks a lot for being with us again. Thank you, Janice, so much. God bless you. Thanks for being with us. We'll be back. This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit healthcare sharing ministry that allows you to control and manage your own healthcare and choose any doctor or hospital in the nation. If you're a freedom-loving American looking for contract-free healthcare, call now, 855-585-4237, or go to libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT for more information, libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. This is Janet Mefford today. And now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. Boy, what a day. Keep on praying. And if you haven't gone to the polls yet, go. It is such a privilege and such a right to be able to vote. It's one of our precious freedoms here in the United States. We can't take it for granted. I'm going to get into a little bit on how there are woke evangelical leaders out there right now trying to convince you to stay home. They don't want you to go vote. Is that not a weird thing for an evangelical leader to be advocating? Stay home. Yeah, just don't don't put any vote in at all. I mean, come on, those lines are so long. Why would you want to go? I mean, you know, it's raining out. Well, they're not really saying that, but they might as well be saying that. I'm going to get into that in a little bit. But first, I want to go to Senator Kamala Harris's weird video. I thought this was quite interesting. I don't know if you had the opportunity to see what she put up on Twitter, but it was a video talking about equality versus equity. And I think she revealed, I would say, more than she bargained for. But on the other hand, I think she revealed exactly what she wanted to reveal. So listen to what she put up. This is cut one. So there's a big difference between equality and equity. Equality suggests, oh, everyone should get the same amount. The problem with that, not everybody's starting out from the same place. So if we're all getting the same amount, but you started out back there and I started out over here, we can get the same amount, but you're still gonna be that far back behind me. It's about giving people the resources and the support they need so that everyone can be on equal footing and then compete on equal footing. Equitable treatment means we all end up at the same place. We all end up at the same place. And this video, by the way, has a white mountain climber and a black mountain climber. And of course, the black mountain climber is the one who's beneath the white one. And then at the end, the black one goes higher and then they all end up at the top of the mountain. And I'm thinking to myself as I'm watching this, well, what happens if you put somebody at the bottom of the mountain who has no legs? How do you make it equitable for that person? 
Now, obviously, it's a cartoon and it's not supposed to be literal, but I'm thinking to myself, there is no such thing as perfect equality or perfect equity anywhere in the world. It doesn't exist and you can't make it exist. But boy, that's awfully Marxist, isn't it? That's awfully Marxist. And if you go on the campaign page for the Biden-Harris campaign and you read, for example, about the racial equity that they will bring to their economic plan, it is Marxist. It just is. It just is. How in the world do you ever give people support and resources so they can all compete on equal footing? You'd have to give the same amount of money to every single person, but even then you wouldn't be able to ensure that everybody would end up the same place because people have different work ethics and people have different circumstances and people have different health problems. This is nirvana thinking that has been tried before and resulted in 140 million deaths. I just want to remind you of that. This is crazy, seriously crazy. And Florida Governor Ron DeSantis watched it as well. A lot of these politicians were watching this thing and commenting on it. But he had this to say as he was speaking to a crowd in Florida. This is cut two. If Joe Biden's elected president, they're going to keep him in the White House residence. And Kamala Harris is going to run the show. She is rated more left wing than Bernie Sanders. She just put out a video on Twitter today talking about how we have to have equal outcomes for everyone. Now they say progressive, they say left, all this stuff. I I don't know what all that means. I think you peel it all back, it's all the same thing. Marxism. We are not going to allow Kamala Harris to be the president of the United States. All right, that is Florida Governor Ron DeSantis reacting to that video put up by Senator Kamala Harris, the vice presidential hopeful on the Democratic ticket. So there you have it. You can evaluate for yourself what this campaign is really trying to say. Somebody said something very interesting, by the way, on Twitter about the logo, the Biden-Harris 2020 logo that appears at the end of that video. And you might have noticed this in some of their logo. You know, they have different versions and so forth. But the E in Biden is three red lines representing the E. And somebody pointed out, boy, that looks an awful lot like the three red banners. Now, when you go to Wikipedia, you find out what that's all about. Three red banners was an ideological slogan in the late 1950s, which called on the Chinese people to build a socialist state. It's also called the three red flags, consisting of the general line for socialist construction, the Great Leap Forward and the People's Communes. Coincidence? Maybe it is a coincidence, but it's... Kind of interesting, isn't it? Speaking of communism, I want to go to this cut as well. I want to get to this as well. Representative Karen Bass, do you remember she was somebody who was floated as a potential running mate for Joe Biden early on and was quickly discounted because she has all these ties to uh, bad things. Uh, Politico has written a lot about her. She's praised Fidel Castro and she eulogized a top leader in the Communist Party USA and got it into the congressional record without ever once mentioning that this guy was actually one of the top leaders in the Communist Party USA. But this is what's happening right now. As everyone is on pins and needles and all of these cities are boarding up, all of these businesses are boarding up because they're afraid of havoc and they're afraid of violence. You have all this gaslighting going on, this projection going on from leftists that what will really occur is that Trump, the dictator, is going to incite violence and there will be great pushback by white supremacists who are going to start a civil war. And I'm thinking to myself, 
It's groups like Shutdown DC and Antifa, all of these far left groups that have been causing all the violence in the streets, murdering Trump supporters, for example, and looting and rioting and talking about toppling the American government. And meanwhile, over at the Axios little podcast thing, Representative Karen Bass had this to say, cut four. But here's the other thing is, is that I'm really worried about November 4th, frankly, because the president has been so divisive. I'm worried about all of those militias and proud boys and boogaloo boys and all of those white supremacist groups that support the president. He doesn't use a dog whistle. He has a bullhorn and he's telling them to all come out. And I'm really worried that the president of the United States is going to uh, agitate violence uh, during and after the election. He's even calling for people to go watch the polls. And I've talked to my colleagues around the country and they are watching the polls for one reason, and that's to intimidate and dissuade people from voting. What, you mean like the Black Panthers who appeared at that polling place back during the Obama election and were actually intimidating voters, people like that? Oh, no, you mean the Proud Boys who aren't white supremacists. Just call them that, though. Go ahead and call them that without any sort of evidence, even though you've had leaders of the Proud Boys come out and denounce it. And you've had Trump denounce it about 35 times. But keep that narrative going as leftists are the ones that are feared by businesses in major cities across America. They're not worried about President Trump blowing some kind of silent dog whistle to unleash the violent Trump supporters across the fruited plain to loot. And I mean, do these people really think that we're all stupid? I'm sure some people are fooled, but but not really. Now, listen to this. This came out from uh, WND. Dozens of leaked internal documents and Zoom call video footage were made public actually on Sunday describing plans by progressive activists and federal workers to disrupt and destabilize the outcome of the presidential election, including plans to shut down the White House. I'm sure that's Trump's fault, too. A woman states during one of the Zoom sessions, it's a coup. Don't let anyone tell you it's not. The videos and documents, which reportedly have been handed over to law enforcement, were posted on two websites, sunriseexposed.com as well as exposedsunrise.com, both of which promised to be regularly updated with additional content during the next 48 hours and into Election Day. The information was leaked by a disaffected insider of the Sunrise Movement, part of a loose but extremely coordinated network of left-leaning activists mobilizing across the U.S. in an effort to foment chaos in the wake of a potential Trump victory or even a contested election. And at one point during a Zoom call that highlighted the role of the militant group Shutdown DC, a spokesman stated, we've been in discussion for a couple of months about how to respond. The first step is we need to start the post-election phase in the streets. Everybody come to Black Lives Matter Plaza. And on the 5th, we're going to shut down the White House. And on the 6th, we're going to shut down larger parts of DC. Then the following week, all the mainstream groups are going to come to DC and try to have a march on the 7th. You think you ought to vote? I think it's important. No matter what the woke evangelical leaders say, we're going to get into that in a moment. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is Janet Mefford for Bible League International. What did you pray for today? 
good health, safety, maybe to meet a goal. Those are good things to pray for. But pastors and evangelists in the Middle East aren't praying for material blessings or for an end to the persecution or difficulties they face. Rather, they're praying for copies of God's word so that believers will be spiritually nourished and strengthened to live out their faith in this challenging part of the world. Many of our brothers and sisters in Christ in places like the Middle East, Asia, Africa, and Latin America live each day without their very own Bible. But you can send one today. Give one Bible for only $5, 20 Bibles for $100, or 200 Bibles for $1,000. Whatever you'd like to give, you can become a Bible sender by calling 800-YES-WORD. That's 800-YES-W-O-R-D. 800-YES-WORD. Or there's a Bible League banner to click at JanetMefford.com. This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. A burning issue worthy of public discussion across America is expanding the Supreme Court. Our government was designed to have three independent branches for an effective system of checks and balances. Court expansion would undermine the independence of the judiciary branch and make it a political arm of the legislative branch with partisan results. Watch a new video on the critical importance of the Supreme Court in ending abortion. Visit lifeissues.org and click on the top banner. Hi, this is Janet. It's been exciting to see so many of you help our ministry partner, Heart for Lebanon, this month. We had a goal to help bring the hope of Jesus to 100 families, and I'm so pleased to be able to tell you that to date, over 200 families have been served. We thank God for those of you who participated, but if you didn't have a chance to invest in what God is doing there, it's not too late. Just call 888-247-5499. That's 888-247-5499, or there is a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Welcome back on this election day. I hope that you have exercised that precious right to vote that so many people across the world don't have. I don't know what has gotten into these woke evangelical leaders other than the fact that their whole than their holistic pro-life trick isn't working anymore. I mean, they will do absolutely anything to keep the mouth breathers at home. That's what they think of people who will not be progressives and will not be woke. They want Christians to stay home. Now, this is the new thing. Stay home. Stay home. I mean, they maybe won't come directly out and say that to you. Stay home. Stay home. It's important for you to stay home because so many people would go, what? What are you talking about? They're doing it, though. They're doing it. Here's an example. Christianity Today, which, as we remember, famously wanted President Trump thrown out of office after the impeachment hoax, put out this piece just a few days ago, meet the evangelicals who won't vote for Trump, Biden, or anybody at all. Why would I want to meet people like that? (laughs) It just kind of begs the question. They tell the story of one particular evangelical in Washington state who's never voted in a U.S. election and doesn't plan to this year, Natasha Kennedy. She pushes back against both parties and advocates for Christ's kingdom without any allegiance to a political platform. Her position dates back to when she turned 18. As she considered entering the mission field, Kennedy decided she would demonstrate her devotion to Christ and his kingdom by not voting in U.S. elections. Like many Christian non-voters before her, she saw the act of casting a ballot as a sign of approval for a political power structure that in many ways opposed the way of Christ. She couldn't do it. She just couldn't do it. If Jesus brought about his kingdom by laying down his rights and spurning political power, 
Kennedy wanted to follow his example. She said, it was my way of being part of his kingdom without doing it the world's way. That makes it sound like voting is a sin, doesn't it? You don't vote. You're higher than that. You're better than that. You belong to Jesus Christ. Why would you do something so base like voting? If you vote, you are actually a part of the world now. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. We had the Apostle Paul citing his Roman citizenry in Acts 22 for crying out loud. Are are we now to believe that being in the world but not of it means we're not really in the world after all? What do these people want? Well, they want you to stay home. That's what they want. They want you to stay home because they're afraid of who you might vote for and they don't approve. That's what it's about. Then you have over at the Gospel Coalition, Joe Carter. Joe Carter never disappoints uh, when it comes to outrageous things. Why Christians are not morally obligated to vote. Oh, this is good. What does Joe Carter say? Citizens across America on Tuesday will commit one of the most egregious of civic sins. They won't vote. If their transgression becomes known, they may suffer scorn and derision. They will be chastised for having let down their country and for failing to perform their civic duty. Well, yeah. Regrettably, much of this disrespect will come from Christians. In America, Christianity and civic religion frequently mixes into a peculiar syncretism where allegiance to God and country becomes intertwined in ways that are harmful to our faith. A prime example is the issue of voting. Few Christians will state directly that choosing not to vote is an actual sin against God, but all too many are willing to imply that we have a moral obligation to vote that is rooted in Scripture. The right to vote is an enormous privilege that should not be taken for granted. But while the Bible includes several moral obligations for us as citizens, citizen Christians are under no moral obligation to vote, especially if doing so requires us to violate our conscience. Voting can also be a positive moral good that we can nonetheless refrain from exercising for certain legitimate reasons. Gee, Joe, what are you trying to say? What are you trying to say? You know, the really spiritual Christians are the ones who don't vote. You know why? Because they're better than you. They're better than you. They don't violate their conscience. They don't resort to voting for sinners. I mean, we don't want a sinner in the White House. That would just be wrong. I mean, we're godly. We are above it all. What are we, Gnostics? We are so spiritual. We don't do those lowbrow things like voting This is what these people are trying to convey to believers across the United States because they're so irked that people are not listening to them when it comes to a lot of what people do in the ballot box. They're not buying into the holistic pro-life nonsense where people are being told that if you're really going to be pro-life, you have to be pro-refugee and pro-immigrant and pro-this and pro-that and every leftist cause out there. Otherwise, you don't care about human life. Mm, No, no, that's not actually how it is. And we've been debunking that lie for quite a while. So now they're trying the, you know, the really spiritual Christians don't vote. Oh, yes, of course, voting is a nice right and all that. But it's not commanded by scripture. Just because you stay home doesn't mean that you're violating the Bible. As if every single thing that you do in life has to have an exact Bible verse or else you can just skip it. Right? Um, I can think of all kinds of things in my daily life that I ought to do, and there's not a verse in the Bible to back it up. I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it says I have to unload the dryer every single day anywhere. So I don't have to unload the dryer. It doesn't even say weekly or monthly. I mean, so I could do a load of laundry feasibly and just leave it in the dryer for a month. And I'm not sinning. 
Because the Bible never addresses whether or not I should unload my dryer. Okay, but you don't have to have an exact Bible verse to understand that. Just unload the dryer. Yeah, why in the world would you not unload the dryer? Now, obviously, voting is a much more serious thing. But I'm trying to make the point that there are things you ought to do because it's smart and because it behooves you to do it. And I don't really think I need to explain it beyond that because it's completely obvious why we need to exercise our right to vote. Robert Jeffress from First Baptist Dallas was asked about this over on Fox, and this is what he had to say. Cut five. I had somebody challenge me this week and say, well, there's nothing in the Bible about voting. Why do we need to vote? And obviously, in biblical times, when you had kings and emperors, you didn't get to vote for them. They were imposed on you just like their policies were imposed upon you. But John Jay, the first chief justice of our Supreme Court, wrote, God has given us the privilege in this Christian nation of choosing our leaders. I mean, think about it. By our vote, we choose our leaders. Our leaders choose the policies we live under, and those policies determine the moral and spiritual direction of our country. And you know, Jesus said we ought to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. We ought to care about the policies that not only affect us, but affect others as well. And we ought to choose leaders who will implement policies that result in the greatest good, or at least the least amount of harm to those around us. We have the power to do that through our vote. I think that was very well said, and I'm glad that he said it the way that he said it, because it is a fact of life that you can avoid getting involved in politics, but you will never avoid having politics affect you, period. If you don't want to have a voice and if you don't want to have any sort of impact on who is in charge of you, then... I can't hogtie you and drag you to the polls, nor would I attempt to do so. But I would look at you and say, what are you doing? What are you doing? Especially when we're talking about a period in American history that is extremely dire. It's extremely dire. I don't think any of us have fully wrapped our minds around what could possibly be coming down the pike. But in many respects, we're being told exactly what the alternative to continuing America as is will be. And we've seen it. All you need to do is look on the Internet, read what some of these groups are saying, read what some of these candidates are saying, look up some of their associations, follow the money. It's just not that vague. And all of this is also important to consider from the vantage point of understanding that discussion from the World Economic Forum on the Great Reset. The Great Reset is all about ending capitalism. And and it really is important for you to understand that Joe Biden's disturbing connection to the socialist Great Reset movement, as put forth in this Fox Business column from a few months ago, tells a lot to us about what is going to go down in the future um, from certain candidates. And I, I just think that it's important for Christians to be informed. I think it's important for Christians to understand we have a role to play and we have freedom. Like, I can't overstate the importance of freedom. It, it's such a precious commodity because it's so rare. It's amazing. It's really a miracle, if you think about it, that the United States ever came into being in the first place. It's a miracle. You had a bunch of Christians boarding the Mayflower and risking absolutely everything to get here because they wanted religious freedom. And that's how it all began. It's how it all began. And then all of these brilliant men came together and they fought the American Revolution and they put together our founding documents. I'm you know, reducing it to the very bare minimum here for the sake of time. And behold, we have a constitutional republic that continues 
to this day. And there may be some different ideas on how best to run this country and which policies to implement. But to opt out is not to opt out. It's just to opt out of having a say. And I don't think that that's something that any Christian can engage in. Absolute apathy. How could you be apathetic at a time like this? So please vote. Please let your voice be heard. It is your right and it is your duty. And it is a great, precious freedom that you should absolutely embrace if you haven't already. Pray for this country. Pray for this country. And just ask the Lord to have mercy on us. What more could we ask for? Thank you for being here. And we'll see you next time here on Janet Meffer Today. Today.